This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers. Episode 272. Isle of Dogs. You heard the rumor, right? Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, the number one place to get your animation fix with animation addicts just like you. Each episode, we dive into the wonderful world of animation featuring Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between. From hilarious discussions and movie reviews to interviews with industry insiders, this show's mission is to brighten your day through our love of animation. So hop on your nerdy couch, grab some snacks, and get ready to hang out with your animation besties because it's time to dive into today's episode. Hey there, animation addicts. I'm your host, Morgan Stradling. And I'm Chelsea Robson. Morgan. Yes? Do you know how many animal islands there are? Animal islands. What? And by animal islands, you mean islands that are entirely populated by animals? Yes. Not an island named after an animal or something no, like that. No, no, no. An entirely mm. populated by animals. No humans. No humans. Well, there has to be so many because there's so many little dinky islands that you're, you're like, why doesn't anyone live here, even though someone owns it? True. Uh, throw in something out there. 340. Well, maybe there are, but I've only found eight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Your eye was so, way off. <laughs> I mean, maybe there are, but... Samsonite. So, uh, <laughs> Way to make me feel good. Well, there could be. <laughs> um, so we have Pig Island in the Bahamas. Basically, a bunch of pigs were abandoned there, and <laughs> they have become the owners of this island, basically. That's not frightening at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. The pigs descended. Like, they, they're feral pigs, and they've just gotten really good at swimming out into the ocean and getting, like, garbage <laughs> off of boats that oh people drop and stuff. So <laughs> I've seen looking at pictures, and I will post pictures in the show notes, so you got to go see that. But it's, like... It's from Nassau. You take a plane and you got to rent a boat and then you go about a mile north of this area. And it's just it's a lot to get there, but it is Pig Island. And then we have Cat Island, which is off of Japan, which is, I think, what I was really thinking of when I started thinking about Isle of Dogs, this movie, because mm -hmm. I knew that they like banished all their cats or something. And so I wanted to look into on that. And there is an island off the coast of Japan. And it's the cats rule the whole thing. 
Like it's crazy. And then there's another one, Rabbit Island off of Japan. And I'm thinking, what is wrong? <laughs> like Japan just is like, we're just, we're not going to kill them. We're just going to move them. <laughs> Any of these animals, let's just, maybe they just have a lot of like allergies. I don't know. But there's Rabbit Island. Rabbits. Interesting. And then there's one off of Maryland that has horses throughout the whole thing. And they're mm -hmm. called the Swimming cool. Ponies. Oh. And then there's Seal Island, which is off of South Africa. Monkey Island, which is off of Puerto Rico. There's Snake Island, which I've heard quite a bit about. It's called Ilha de Queimada Grande. So it's like the island of the Big Burn. So obviously yeah. there's some type of like poison <laughs> going through there, but it's off of the <laughs> coast of Brazil. <laughs> and I've heard several people be like, oh my gosh, it's like horrifying Snake Island. No one goes there. Like, okay, good to know. And then there's Goat Island off of South Carolina, where I, I guess they, they decided to leave their goats on this island. They live there most <laughs> of the year. And then winter time, they go and they, they round them up and then they go and like put them on somebody else's farm. <laughs> so that's because it's too cold for them. So there are, these things exist. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Eight of them that I got. So interesting. Well, there we go. Now we know. Not 340, but eight is good. <laughs> and each one sounds so sad and horrifying at the same time, depending on which one it is. I know. So today oh. we are going to be talking about one of these fictional islands where there are just dogs. Isle of Dogs. This is going to be a fun episode. So get ready. Give us a second and we'll hop right into it. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama is back along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. All right, so before we jump into our main discussion, let's set the stage. General information. This was produced by a few studios. The first studio is Studio Babelsberg, Indian Paintbrush, and American Empirical Pictures. There were a few studios that helped with the animation. It was then distributed by Fox Searchlight Pictures. The director, of course, Mr. West Anderson, immediately within the first frame of this film. This is very Wes Anderson to me. It That's is. immediately what I thought. Yeah. And release date, March 23rd, 2018. Budget, uh, unsure, although I did look to see what the budget was for his previous stop motion animated film, which came out a few years prior, Fantastic Mr. Fox. That was 40 million. So I think roughly that would be the same. We don't really see that these stop motion pictures really skyrocket in uh, cost. But the box office was $64.2 million. So not too bad and pretty fine for a stop motion film. You know, you would have liked to see it do a little better. I remember when this came out, I remember seeing the trailer and being very intrigued by it. But then when push came to shove, didn't end up going to see it. I did see this movie and I had a really great experience doing this. I went to the, the press screening 
<laughs> and they had a traditional Japanese taiko drumming group there come in and wow. do this performance right before the event started. And it was really awesome. I don't remember. It's been a couple of years now, but there was probably at least 10 to 15 of these drummers. Wow. I mean, you can see it in the movie. There's a moment where you have all these drummers come in. Basically, taiko drumming, it's like a full body drum line. And so they, you just see them like doing all of these movements with their arms and their whole body just gets into every drum beat. And it's really cool. It's almost a dance. So that is what I remember mostly from this experience mm -hmm. of being like in the theater. But it was also in like a very artsy theater in Tempe. Yes. It's like right next to ASU. So it's definitely yeah. the Tempe Art Theater is what it's called. Ah, yes. <laughs> so it definitely knew its its location and its crowd. So it's a, it was a fun experience. I enjoyed it. Nice. That sounds very fun. Yeah. So finally, when I got around to watching this, it pleasantly surprised it was on Disney Plus. So yes. know, with the great acquisitions that have happened over the years, <laughs> it's, that's kind of your first place to look like, OK, is it on Disney Plus first? Because most likely. Right. And since it was distributed by Fox Searchlight, that makes sense. And yeah, when watching this, I would watched Fantastic Mr. Fox actually a month ago. OK, we were on a cruise and they had a movie station that was playing Honestly, the most random assortment of movies. It's like they put every single movie into a bag and then just pulled one out of the hat. So we had Fantastic okay. Mr. Fox came on one time and then the Dolly Parton movie nine to five. Nice. So like this isn't a genre sort of station or, you know, oldies yeah. or whatnot or animation or kids. It was just this is what we feel like showing today. So, yeah, we ended up watching that. So definitely got reacquainted with. Wes Anderson. And this one is very much similar vein. It's it's his style, his humor, his aesthetic. And it's a very it's very good. He's a fantastic director, screenwriter. You know what I love about him is that his movies are funny, but they're not ha ha laugh out loud funny. It's yeah. more of a like nod your head like, yeah, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. You know, <laughs> it's you know, and there's quirky. so there's so much detail uh -huh. that you'd have to watch it again to see some of these yeah there is a video on his imdb page that gives a quick overview of different elements that he is known for i'll go ahead and uh, just name them off that what they show but they go it's a cool video to go watch because they do show examples of what mm -hmm. you were talking about so there's the novel storytelling so as though you're reading a novel you know, so it's mm -hmm. a story, somebody narration. And then you always have these overhead shots, like directly on top of something. And then you have the hand placed objects. So you have somebody putting something down with their hands. Mm -hmm. So you just that's all you see. And then you have lots of maps, maps everywhere. Mm. They're always showing maps of where things are. And you'll have these different uh, in, especially in the live action ones, you'll have very well dressed the iconoclast, as they put it. So these, it's very costumey, but it's like an iconic look for whatever they're, they are. Mm -hmm. And you have pastel palettes, often and sent like very center frame. Once I was told that these are his things, I was like, oh yeah, he does this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then character tracking shots. So it's like the person stays within the very middle and the camera follows them walking. And then these like whipping shots, like it whips from one place to another. Mm -hmm. 
as I was watching it, I was watching for these things. And it's like, yeah, these, this is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And the more I watch his work, I understand the quirkiness. And I think because of that, I end up liking it all the more. Yeah. Ah, there's just so much, so, so many things that we can talk about with this film, but let's first talk about the animation. Okay. So I love the animation and I really like his stop motion animation. And I guess when we talk about animation, we'll also talk about the art style, but I thought the, one of the th interesting things with animation is when you start working with puppets mm -hmm. and puppets, particularly with hair, because the hair or fur has a mind of its own. Yeah. You move it and you can't move every little hair back into place. Mm -hmm. And so in stop motion, things that have fur or hair, unless it's slicked down, right? It, it's going to have this movement to it. That's just kind of a, a bit unnatural and odd because it's just, okay, from frame to frame to frame, the hair is subtly moving because the character has been moved. And yeah. I just love it. I felt like that added some ferality to these, to the dogs that were on, do on this island, just made them look a little bit more mangy and roughed up. And part of the design was they had, they looked like that. They looked like they were struggling and hadn't had a bath in a while, <laughs> right. hadn't been brushed, hadn't been groomed. And I just thought that was one of the things that I loved watching about this film. It just really helped to sell it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I liked the individual dogs. I like how they gave them all their own just look and feel mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and also the Japanese stylings. You know, just how everything has that type of classic Japanese architecture, as well as the the moment when they're in the, as the mayor is giving his big speech and you have like the whole huge background behind him that it's just like, whoa, you're definitely putting off a vibe. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but I love how they were able to get all of those feelings in there for each one of the characters. Yeah. Yeah. So we have these five dogs. So to set up, and that's another thing is from the very beginning, he sets up this fantastic almost out of this world premise uh -huh. where, Hey, there was long ago dogs roam free. Then there was this war with the Kobayashis and then dogs became tame. And then we find out very quickly that one of the ancestors of the Kobayashi still doesn't like dogs. He's a cat guy. And so because of this disease that's coming, they, he sends them away and quarantines them to this Isle of dogs. So that is the premise of the film. And it's just, it's kind of preposterous, but it's so fun that you just go with it because why not? Yeah. And the writing, as you mentioned before, you, he throws in these little jokes, the interactions between each one of the characters is just, I like it. I like how he has his, his group of normal actors that he goes to and they all just have their same vibe. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I've seen a couple of his uh, live action films and you'll see these same people. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, you know, it's the Don Bluth crowd, you know, like Don Bluth had his people that he always went back to. And Wes Anderson has his people that he, he mm -hmm. really likes to work with. So you've got Jeff Goldblum in there, Bill mm -hmm. Murray, Bob Balabin, Edward Norton and Byron Cranston. Mm -hmm. They're basically the main five dogs. But you also have Scarlett Johansson in there every once in a while. Uh -huh. And there's one other dog, I think, but I feel like each one of them really played a good part. Like Jeff Goldblum's like, he always made me laugh because he was like, you heard the rumor, right? <laughs> and so every, every rumor, he's the one like letting, yes. letting everybody know that, oh no, I didn't know what, what rumor, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> so. Every time it was great. It was a, it was just a joke that just ha kept happening again and again and again. And maybe if you weren't paying attention, you would have caught it, but 
you d- you did yeah um it was just so subtle it was just every single time oh rumor, rumor. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're it like, was great. at the very end they're like so how do how do you keep knowing this i don't know like i like to listen to people and people like to tell me stuff so i listen and they tell me <laughs> <laughs> i love that there's the one dog who really it's the the oracle pug yes, but yes. really only because this is the only dog that understands how to watch and understand human TV. <laughs> yeah. So by that, simply that fact alone, yeah, there she's able to tell the future. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was, was funny. Just like little moments like that just make this super enjoyable and funny. Yeah. You had uh, Ed Norton. He kind of is the self-determined leader of the group. Mm-hmm. And then Chief, who is Byron Cranston, he's just like, you're not the leader. I did not say that you could be the leader. Mm-hmm. It's just like how Wes Anderson goes in and creates the dynamic between each one of these animals is really great because it it, it does humanize them more so than what you would ever think mm-hmm. being dogs. Yeah. You just get so much out of it. And I'm just a fan. Okay, I really liked Brian Cranston as chief. You know, you know him from Breaking Bad, most notably. But there wasn't a lot of excitement in his voice, but still mm-hmm. he was very passionate. Like you, his conversations, like they felt real. They felt like a real dog. Now, when they were first looking for the dog, like, hey, well, he, the little pilot's here and now we need to go find his other dog. Instantly, I thought, well, it's Chief because look at his eyes. Oh, really? I'm like, he has to be, you know, Chief who, who somehow forgot and he's just super dirty. Yeah, so that's like one of the first things that came to mind. Oh, you're a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> well, I mean, there aren't that many dogs that have blue eyes uh-huh. personally. And I I think dogs with blue eyes are really off-putting in a way because they are so rare uh-huh. that you just don't really expect it. So that that's something that stood out to me. Like I knew that Spots had blue eyes and they kind of looked the same to me. So I was like, oh, but then I, I kind of brushed it off. I'm like, well, he would remember. He He clearly has this other backstory. So maybe not. And then, you know, turns out he's, he's just dirty. Okay. Check mm-hmm. called that. And he's the brother. Oh, okay. Well, didn't, didn't know that. And uh, he has this chip on his shoulder and because he was the runt, those darn runts. But he, did he know that? I don't think he knew that until later no, on. No, he didn't. He but I mean, but that could be a, you know, like a subconscious trauma right. that happened to him because he was the runt, he was thrown out or he didn't, you know, get all the nourishment that he needed and the right, attention, right. yada, yada, yada. And, and so he became a stray. Yeah. So when they first drop spots off, oh gosh, that was so sad. <laughs> oh. And then Well, they- yeah, it, it was interesting because they show that Kobayashi is dedicated to the cause by the first dog over will be my family dog or yeah. our protector dog, you know, and and a lot of times that's not what happens in politics. There's usually right. rules for thee, but not for me. Right. And and there's always exceptions or carve outs for the politicians or whatnot. Um, and so I kind of liked that where he's like, no, OK, like I'm really invested and I believe in this. So here's my dog, which isn't just a regular dog. It's our protector bodyguard dog, uh-huh. you know, and so uh, it, the way that he goes about trying to create this frenzy and, you know, public acceptance of this dog's it's I, we, we see that a lot today there's just a lot of rhetoric mm-hmm. used a lot of extreme situations to paint the picture yeah and you know with oh well you know the dogs they have this and then 
they're going to have this and they're going to kill us or whatever, you know, right, right. jumping through these different hoops. Like, ooh, that escalated quickly. Like, okay, yeah, get rid of the dogs, every single one of them. Uh-huh. So it's just interesting. I love the way that this movie showed language because normally in a film like this, if someone's speaking a different language, you're just going to show the subtitles. Right. But there was an artistic choice not to do that. And so we either are left in the dark with what the Japanese characters are saying, mm-hmm. unless you speak Japanese. Um, although there are a few words like doggo or spotso, like things like that, which, <laughs> right. you know, you could pick up on and, and get a handle or there's different translation mechanisms that are happening through the story. So, for example, in the main town hall, there's a translator, which is like the government approved translation, right? Of what's being said. It's like on a little yellow and black and white board yeah. uh, underneath. Uh, but then there's also like the news media who's giving their interpretation or their translation of what's being said. And there's other times where just the way, like whenever one of those characters are needing to speak and we need to understand, he just presents it in such a unique way, which I thought really added to the story. Yeah. Well, I also really liked how they, as they were doing the translation, they had just the the interpreter so you had Frances McDonald playing the interpreter and she was just like doing a play-by-play of what was happening and so I I liked how they did that and even though I am in the dark as I don't as I do not understand Japanese I felt more like one of the dogs you know because the dogs don't understand what's happening either and so they're like did you get that no all right well let's just keep going and so you you really understand the dilemma between them of like okay how do we interact between each other yeah and it's interesting the dogs everyone speaks kind of their native language although the dogs just happen to speak english which i'm going to give them a pass for obviously because then that'd be incredibly difficult if the dogs they all spoke japanese (laughs) right so there's that. So you have the the nutmeg character who is played by Scarlett Johansson. And she, I think of the dogs, she's one of the most striking and memorable, mm-hmm. even though she's really not in it a lot. Yeah. And she doesn't have that much of a, of a thing happening, but I really liked her little gag where she's like, I'm juggling five bowling balls on my legs. So you'll just have to, you'll just have to (laughs) imagine it. (laughs) And he's like, I can see it. Yes. (laughs) Oh, those gags are so great. (laughs) Yeah. They they go back to it a few times. We never actually Uh see her do the tricks, but see her doing something. (laughs) Right. And then the visualization of the trick. Yeah. I liked her. Yeah. She, he got the girl in the end. Yes. The different rumors that happen on Dog Island, if you will, rumor about who mated with who. Right. <laughs> and then that ends up not being true. And then there's the rumor about the cannibal dogs, which ends up being partially true. And that just opened a whole can of worms for me because I was sitting there kind of ha- thinking about this uh, philosophically. And it, they were forced to become cannibals. You know, the dog was already dying and we mm-hmm. wouldn't have lived without it. And I'm just like, wow, if I were in that situation, what would I do? And and there's like so much guilt and regret and shame oh in what they had yeah. to do. You can tell that, you know, he's he's upset that that rumor's spreading. Mm-hmm. And then finally comes around to say, well, it it's true, but. And it just makes you feel so icky. There's these things that inherently we know right from wrong are good and are bad. And I cannibalism is one of them. You just don't do it. (laughs) (sighs) I don't know. Would I rather die or would I live another day? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, 
am I capable of even judging somebody that was in that exact situation? You know, because you have the Donner Party oh, crash yes, an airplane. Yes. And so they ended up having to eat someone. And like, I, I just, I can't do it. <laughs> I, can't. Uh, I think I would have, I mean, let's just face it. I'm really not that outdoorsy. And so I probably would be the first to die anyway. So oh, I thought you were going to say, I'm not that outdoorsy. So this is never going to happen to me. So I don't want to think of it. <laughs> well, that too, that too. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I'd rather not think about this. Just make sure you have like a year supply of food and you'll be good. <laughs> oh, yes, that's why you should always be prepared. Get that 72 hour kit quick. Oof. Yeah, that's the the map also was an interesting thing because they, they had this map that had fingers for like bearing straights kind of uh-huh. thing. And I thought that was interesting how you had all of the you know, the dogs who are so-called um, cannibal dogs on that side of the island and just how they had so many dogs and the, the island was big enough that there could be these offset groups, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, what were your thoughts on where you had the transition of spots to chief? Where he kind of passed the torch to him? Yeah. So he was basically just like, yeah, I'm sorry, kid. I can't do this anymore. I didn't didn't understand why it was like, what, you have a family now, so you can't do it. So you're giving up on your oath or what? Because she's pregnant or what? You just like it better on the island. Like initially, it didn't make sense to me. Now, later, after he goes in the fight at the very end and he gets, you know, crippled and injured and doesn't have an eye Uh like that made more sense to me. But I didn't like the fact that that happened sooner or he was like passing the torch. Like, no, you have your duty. You made this like pledge, this vow. And I just didn't like that. Like, well, yeah, since dogs aren't really a thing anymore, but he's here. Like, it's your job now. I didn't like that part. Yeah. The little pilot just spent all this time coming after you. For you. (laughs) For you. (laughs) Not that he needed a dog. Right. Well, he was the only one of the people that even tried to come after any of their animals. Mm -hmm. And... Granted, I mean, he was probably the only 12-year-old that had access to a plane, so I guess that. And then you have people who are older who end up being more willing to comply and younger who, you know, maybe aren't as willing but don't have the access to the to the means to do that. Mm-hmm. But because he's the ward of the mayor, he has he can work his magic, mm-hmm. <laughs> which... I actually really want to learn how to fly a plane. That's on my on my bucket list. And so the fact that those older planes you had like young kids knew how to fly them is very fascinating to me. I'm like, really? <laughs> this is unnecessarily made difficult <laughs> because if kids like can it. do this. I can do it. Right, too. right, right. <laughs> <laughs> how did you feel the story went? Like the the progression of each scene. Uh, you know what? Every single, you could freeze frame this movie and every single one is visually stunning, artistically yeah. beautiful. Something interesting is happening. I've, this is kind of a tangent, but texturally, like I felt like I could just feel, reach my hand out and feel some of the textures uh-huh. that were there. Yeah. It was so visceral to me. You, you know, there's just like these waves in the background or this unique thing. So, but as far as the story, I liked the way that it was structured. 
because I think Wes Anderson films can be a bit slow. Not that that's bad, yes. but he has a slower pace. He doesn't have to wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You know, all this stuff in your face, all these <laughs> jokes, all these colors, all these spidgy widgets. And so it can, it takes its time. It's very Miyazaki in that way. It's going to go slow. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be periods of no dialogue. Dialogue won't be crazy loud. Yeah. Um, and so I did feel that the different structures that they broke it into helped to like refocus you like, oh, okay, we're uh-huh. done with that one. Like it's, and so it doesn't feel like, oh, this is just dragging on. And there were different moments where it kind of broke the fourth wall as in the character just kind of stopped and then looked straight into the camera. And at first I, I wasn't sure if I liked that, but it was always for some type of comedic effect. Mm-hmm. Like you're supposed to notice that this was weird. And I actually liked it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like he's so quirky and it's just, I have come to really appreciate his style as far as themes. Well, we talked what about the theme of, of cannibalism. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, there, there's a, there's a few themes. There's the political theme, I think of uh-huh. you know, what to, what, I don't know if it's a theme or if it's just a story point that they pick up on, you know, when one group is in power and they want to push something down on the people, we see mm-hmm. the rhetoric that's used, the tactics that are used, the escalation, the extreme cases. Um, uh, then slowly the squashing of dissent, squashing of dissent, you know, the isolation of a certain group, which ultimately, uh-huh. you know, this is going down the the authoritarian path or fascist past, I guess you will, yeah. of othering a certain group and then yes. isolating that group and then blaming that group for problems. And then ultimately, well, we just got to destroy that group because that's ultimately what he wanted. He wanted to kill uh-huh. all the dogs. But if you would have presented that initially, that never would have flown, especially since right. people had such attachment to these dogs and had grown close to them. So we had to separate them. We had to isolate them. We had to other other them. And then it gets to the point where they just keep doing that, not just once, but they do it again and again and again. They keep building their case where then when he presents like now this is uncurable, we need. Oh, uh, that's another thing is, like you said, um, squashing of dissenting opinions, but even using science to or in this this case, the opposite of science, quelling science mm-hmm. to, yeah, you know, hey, there is a solution here. There's a remedy. There's something that we could fix. But no, if that is presented, then I won't be able to achieve my means. And so that's mm-hmm. gotten rid of because ultimately he needs to kill the dogs. If there's a if there's a cure to the snout flu, then he'll never be able to kill the dog. So he's seizing on the opportunity. So I really thought that was interesting. And there were a lot of parallels to 2020 and the pandemic that happened there. (laughs) I thought that was just very, very interesting that this had happened two years prior. That never would have crossed anyone's mind. But having seen Mm -hmm. it through this lens, it was like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of parallels with what happened. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) Yep. Hey, case in point proven. Yeah. Well, and you have the the group of kids who kind of play the Scooby-Doo aspect, uh, led by Tracy Walker, the exchange student, who is just, she's just got this like giant red, like Afro and which is just funny. I think mm-hmm. uh, her, her design of hair mm-hmm. is just kind of funny. And she's like, starts having a crush on the little <laughs> pilot, <laughs> Atari. Yeah. And she's like, oh, dang it. 
now I have a crush on you. <laughs> I loved it. it it's yeah. it was just they said it. They just came out and said it. They didn't have to, you know, show the budding romance. He has an interesting way of right. showing romances in his films. And and this was like, oh, no, we're just going to not going to beat around the bush. We're going to say how, say it how it is. Right. But then there was also other like there weren't really very many other characters, but there were some of the classmates, like the one who was in the hacker seat. <laughs> like he showed up a couple times, but never talked, mm-hmm. but just would like give you that knowing look <laughs> just at the end. Like, Hey, I did this. <laughs> what was so funny about her is like the, she had the conspiracy theory at the beginning. I think that this whole thing was devised in order to get rid of the dogs. Like, where's your proof? I have yet to find it, but I will. (laughs) And I really like her spunk. I really like the whole thing. And the fact that it really did come down that she was completely right, that the actual flu was designed in order to get rid of the dogs, Mm -hmm. like from the beginning. It was just like, oh, if you're a conspiracy theorist, this movie's like ringing a lot of bells. Pavlov's dog happening right now (laughs) and maybe that's the point I don't know (laughs) I mean it was that's that's its own conspiracy theory yeah it was something prompted this on for him so Mm -hmm. we shall see there was one part where the little pilot needed Atari needed a liver transplant and the uncle's like fine I will do it myself and he'll take my liver so he they do this surgery scene And they actually show the surgery of him like going in and and doing this. And even in this scenario, I can't take it. Oh, really? (laughs) I thought that was a very cool scene. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just, I'm realizing, obviously, I could never be a doctor or in healthcare. And it's just, I I get way too squirmish with things like that. It's like, oh, I can't. (laughs) Uh, But it wasn't, I mean, the fact that it's there is cool. I thought it was very interesting. And I kind of liked the fact that he really didn't shy away from death. Or like the reality of the situation, the fact that you had sport, the, the other dog, Uh you had the bones, you know? And I was like, well, Morgan will like this. There's enough death in here. (laughs) 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 Uh, But he really did show like there was, it wasn't like any of the characters. Well, at least there was a point in time where I felt like, I don't know if any of these characters are quote unquote sacred to him. Like, would he just kill them off? I don't know. Because it doesn't seem like there's, it's not like it's this person's um, hero's journey that you're following. You're following a lot of different people and a lot of different puzzle pieces happening. So I felt like that was a cool aspect of it. And like, it just kept you, it it kept you engaged because you're like, is he, is is this, who do I hold on to? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. There's that one scene where they're, the four dogs, the the five are all in this hovering cart, you know, that kind of transports from place to place. And then Chief and Little Pilot get separated from the group somehow. Cargo holder breaks in half and then they go on a different path. And then they go into yeah. almost this like, not incinerator thing, but it's basically where yeah. things go to die. And you think, oh, this could be the end. And you're <laughs> yeah. kind of expecting, you know, like, these four dogs could just die unceremoniously right there. And then we just continue the story between chief and the little pilot. It doesn't happen. Miraculously, they make it, but totally goes with your point. That could have happened. And 
yeah, he's not a respecter of persons, if you will. This is very Game of Thrones esque, where yeah. no one is safe. Just no, you don't know who the good guy. Well, for this one, you kind of know who the good good guys are. But in Game of Thrones, you see the good and the bad in everyone, <laughs> uh-huh. and yeah. no one is safe. Your favorite character could be gone next episode, and sayonara. Yeah, it's a way to tell a story. <laughs> I don't. I appreciated it, you know, because it did keep me engaged, being like, what's going to happen? What's he going to do? So as far as the music goes, the music was done by Alexander Duplat, and he has composed scores for over 100 films, something from low budget and, and independent Twilight New Moon, Harry Potter. Yes. Yeah. That's what I was like. I was like, hi, Twilight, man. <laughs> you move, go from Twilight to this. <laughs> it's just like, man, you got... You got range. (laughs) The thing is, while I was listening, I didn't really notice a lot of music coming in, except for the specific songs that they brought in. Mm -hmm. And the specific songs were not by him. So it's... Yeah, I I actually did notice the soundtrack or the score. You Um, did? Yeah, I noticed that there were interesting beats, drums, especially the very beginning part that, Mm -hmm. that made me perk up. I think sometimes a score can be so good that you just completely are absorbed in it and you forget. Um, but then uh-huh. it can also be so good that you pay attention to it. And I felt like this one, it was, it added a unique flair to this film, which I appreciated. Hey, I'm in awe at his, the whole variety of his work, you know, so you've got Harry Potter and Deathly Hollows one and two, uh, little women, the King's speech, the Danish girl, the imitations game, moonrise kingdom, Argo rise of the guardians. Yeah, you got Secret Light of Pets. But he also came in with the Fantastic Mr. Fox. So that's, he's worked with Wes before. And I guess Wes really liked him. So he's back (laughs) in dog form. In dog form. Another thing on the animation that I just loved was anytime there was a fight scene, it just turned into this puff cloud of just body parts fighting. And you could tell they used some sort of fluffy cotton as the uh-huh. animation tool. I don't know. I can't even say. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And it was just so perfect to me because it was just, you've seen that in old cartoons all the time, you know, or it's, it's this cat fight and there's just body parts and a big right. cloud puff of smoke, <laughs> whatever. And so I just, whenever I saw that, it just made me giggle because it, it wasn't one of those one and done things. They kept showing it again and again and again. And it just fit so perfectly. It made me laugh. It was visually appealing it, you know, it was simple, but it presented everything you need to know about the fight. And it was great. Yeah, that was definitely something that I noticed as well. It was just like, oh, here comes the cotton balls. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so many in this movie. You could watch this again and then pull out all these other tidbits or interesting things or something you didn't see the first time before and enjoy yeah. it that much more, I think. Yeah, this movie wasn't one that I would I necessarily would go back to like, let me watch it again. Go right. Rewind. It's been about a week since I've watched it in preparation for this. And so I could go back and rewatch it now. And I would feel like, yeah, I got even more out of it this time. Yeah. Uh, And I feel like I would. I feel like this would be one of those films where it would be hard for me to put it on because it's like, oh, I got to watch Isle of Dogs. But then the second that it starts, it's like, oh, yeah, this is a really good movie. This is fun. This is funny. Yeah. It's one of those. It's not like a. am so excited. I want to put it. It's more of a. Okay, I guess I'll watch it. And then once you do, it's so great. And I think I don't know if that's maybe other feelings that people when this came out in the box office had. 
like, oh, that looks cool, mm. but I don't know if I really want to see it. You know, and that's the thing with Wes Anderson's films is that they're not meant for kids. This isn't a kid no. animated film. It's PG-13. Right. It's very serious. I think kids, for the most part, wouldn't really enjoy it that much. Some of the themes might go over their head, but they still, yeah, they still might have a little bit of enjoyment, but it's not meant for kids. And I think that's what really makes these films great. And we've talked about this numerous times, like talking, you know, looking back at the Pixar films and Brad Bird, Brad Bird does the same thing. He doesn't make films for kids. He makes films right. for adults and goes from there. And if the kids find enjoyment from it, great, but he's not going to pander or talk down to them. And Wes Anderson does mm -hmm. the same thing. I love dogs. And I think that's why it's one of the top tier films. You know, this did, this was nominated for two Academy Awards, didn't win it. And it lost to Into the Spider-Verse, which oh, that makes it's sense like, ah, because I was like, this is so good. It should have won. Too bad it didn't come here, come out in 2019. That was the year that Toy Story 4 won. So oh, if it would have waited oh. just a year, I mean, it for sure would have been Academy nominated. Can you imagine though, if it uh, did come out in 2019, <laughs> like how many of the <laughs> like conspiracy theorists would be like, Oh, totally for sure. Be like, Hey, we have seen this. They were warning us, you know, yeah, <laughs> this definitely would have been that, but yeah, I mean, anything to get Toy Story 4 out would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I agree though. There are people who love Wes Anderson films. And that was one of the things that the that are at the press screening was asked to me that my the press um affiliate he was just like oh are you a wes anderson fan then and i was like sure <laughs> like, <laughs> i wouldn't say that i am a wes anderson fan as in i don't like like i don't know what he's working on right now i could go ahead and look on it with imdb and he's got stuff and i'm like cool he's got stuff in the pipeline but i'm not like doing any extra digging, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. For sure. Uh, but I enjoy it when it comes out. So what would you rate it? I'm going to give this, I was, I was very unsure because I, I really like the quirkiness of it. I really like that as he tells the story, you really get sucked in to different aspects and different character arcs and, and just the character character dialogues are very fun and, I, I don't know if fun is the right word, but it's just, it's, you definitely get a giggle out of certain things <laughs> and you like watching it. And so I was going back and forth, like, would I give this a four star? I don't think I could give it a total four star because the, the replay value on it isn't as strong as I would like it to be for a four star film, but I also like it more than 3.5. So I'm going with 3.75 <laughs> out of five. <laughs> all right i'm gonna give it four stars um that's just my okay. gut reaction up at the front but i i really enjoyed everything that i saw i liked the story i thought it had interesting undertones there were lots of different layers to this film unique characters there were quite a few characters but i thought that they were all unique enough that they stood out on their own and obviously there were some that had more important storylines than others, but I just really liked where this was going. The concept was funny. That was one thing we didn't talk about is when he was producing Fantastic Mr. Fox and directing that, he was filming it in England and he drove by the sign every day that said Isle of Dogs. And I've looked this mm. up and it's not an island. It's not, it's just like an area of England, a little patch. And there's nothing that seems to be about dogs at all. It's just called that. 
It's oh, not like okay. there was a place that there were a bunch of dogs or whatever. It, it's just called that from what I can tell. Um, and it just the name sparked so much interest in him that he kind of came up with this idea of like, what if there was an Isle of Dogs and how would that happen? And why would it be that way? And yeah, so I thought that was interesting. So inspiration can come from anything, even just a random street sign in England. Yeah. So don't tell yourself, well, I don't, I don't have any good ideas. I just don't have any ideas. Well, you're not looking hard enough, son. Let the ideas flow. <laughs> All right. Let us know what your thoughts on this film is. Go to rotoscorpus.com slash 272 and give us your thoughts there. We also have a review that somebody left us. And so I would like to share that. This is from Xanderland Studios via Apple Podcasts. And Xanderland Studios says, best animation podcast, period. Five stars. Definitely my favorite podcast. I love all the hosts, but my personal favorite is Morgan. She has so much infectious fun, positive energy, and is so awesome. Several favorites of mine have been discussed, including Tangled, Jonah, the VeggieTales movie, Megamind, The Incredibles, and so many, many more. I would like to request a few shows could cover, as these are some of my favorite shows of mine. Teen Titans, He-Man, Kim Possible, Randy Cunningham, Ninth Grade Ninja, and Star versus the Forces of Evil. If you could cover just one of these, I'd be satisfied. My only real complaint is the amount of ads on each episode. Well, here's the thing about that, Mr. Xanderland, is we do have a ad-free option. You can go to our Patreon and join up there and you get no ads ever. You also get your episodes a couple days early when available and you get bonus <laughs> episodes bonus episodes and bonus content with each episode so things that got cut extra discussions that we had those end up in the patron version of the episode which is pretty cool so thank you so much for your view Aw shucks makes me makes me blush gosh <laughs> <laughs> you can leave us a review anywhere where good reviews are found we appreciate it when you go to itunes and or well, it's not called itunes anymore i'm dating myself but Apple oh, is the one who changes the name like every year or so. So that's on them. But you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review and we appreciate it oh so much. So thank you so, so much for those five-star reviews. That's all we have for today. Until next time, we are the Rotoscopers. Ten out of ten. Did I tell you about my last week? No, tell me. Ah, I'll tell you. So Julie came in on the train and I picked her up and then we drove to Hershey, Pennsylvania to check out the Hershey chocolate factory, which was quite fun. The main reason why this was on my bucket list was because somebody told me in high school that the whole town smells like chocolate uh -huh. and... And so I wanted to like, see, does it actually smell like chocolate? And I asked <laughs> Julie and she's like, well, the town doesn't smell. But like when we got into the factory, she's like, oh, yeah, I totally smell it. And I'm like, dang it. I can't smell it. Oh, <laughs> like, oh man, it's out of my spectrum. <laughs> but <All this> time. <laughs> no. But the factory tour is free and it was actually pretty fun. So you go around and they have like, it's like basically like a Disneyland ride. They have a theme park 
connected to it. I heard from one of my cousins that he thought that the free ride was better. It was the best ride at the entire place. So I was like, well, (laughs) there there you go. You've been listening to the Animation Addicts podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to leave us a five-star review. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help spread the word, be sure to share the podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag us at Rotoscopers on Instagram and use the hashtag Animation Addicts. For all the links and full show notes for this episode, go to rotoscopers.com slash podcast. Now, if you still can't get enough for your animation fix, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and visit rotoscopers.com for more animation news, reviews, and interviews. Thanks for listening.